Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV's Extra Sugar. Hey, y'all. <laughs> hey, again. Hi. <laughs> Long time no talk. <laughs> Hello. Sorry. Uh, so in this week's Designing Women episode, Anthony meets his dad for the first time, and that got me thinking about reunion stories of all stripes. So reunited family members, reunited lovers, friends, and classmates. So today, for your listening pleasure, I have rounded up some of the most interesting reunion stories that I could find. Some of them are funny, some are sweet, and some are just downright bizarre. Are you ready to get into it? Yes. She's, okay, she was like really giving it the deep thought. I was, giving it, I was giving it some thought. I didn't want to just say yes and not be ready. So funnily enough, you and I both have uh, opted to not uh, do our reunion of classmates. Some that people call correct. this a class reunion. <laughs> reunion of peers from educational buildings of your grades 9 through 12. <laughs> 10 through 12, some places maybe. Uh, so it's kind of funny that we're starting there. But, you know, I started looking around and there are a ton of stories. But to be honest, when you boil it down... Most of them are badly planned events. Correct. Fueled by alcohol. Correct. Other substances. Yep. With a fist fight for kicks. I think that was my high school reunion. And <laughs> and that's fine. You know, it's fine, but that's not really what I was going for. So oh. I've selected one story and I found it on Board Panda. And I'm just going to read straight from it because, well, it's better that way. Trust me. Okay. So bear with me. My 10-year reunion was hosted at a nice hotel banquet hall and had a decent turnout, more than 100 people. This sounds great. There was one guy I'd known all throughout high school who was also a well-known stoner. I'll call him Chris. Chris uh -oh. walks into the banquet hall, stops in his tracks, turns around in a very slow circle, and surveys the entire room. He then says, whoa, and looks visibly alarmed. Uh-oh. Once his eyes settle on me, I say, hey, Chris, long time no see, man. He slides over to me and whispers in my ear, this is really weird. I'm pretty sure I know every single person in this room. Uh-oh. That's when I realized he's wearing the same clothes as the banquet hall workers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chris is working as a server at his own high school reunion, and he has no clue what is happening. No. So I walk him out to the front lobby, explain it's our 10-year high school reunion, he is mortified and beyond embarrassed. He was never contacted and didn't realize it had been 10 years since we graduated. Oh, Chris. I think he was contacted <laughs> multiple times. He just knew he was working another catering gig in a never-ending series of catering gigs. Oh, I make him take me to his manager and explain what's happening. I tell the manager there is no way this guy is working his own high school reunion. Awesomely, the manager agrees. We find a different suit jacket and tie for him, and I take Chris back to the party. Aww. He ended up having a good night. So, <laughs> there are several reasons I like this one. Because, one, I feel like everyone probably has at least one Chris in their high school experience. At least the one. <laughs> at least one. Maybe a few Chris's. Maybe you are Chris. Whatever the case is, there's something that felt very relatable about that. But I also, maybe I'm Chris. I was just thinking, am I Chris? <laughs> Do I not remember? What day is it? But <laughs> is I, this my high school reunion? <laughs> These shirts all look really familiar Is this to me. what it feels like to be high? 
I would know. But I also like it because it's it's not mean. Yeah. You know, and when it got down to it, so many of these just felt mean to me. And this is so weird. <laughs> so weird. And I was just like, we don't need that energy here. So let's do something that's like cute. And, you know, he brought him into the fold. That was real nice. That was nice. I like that. I like to think this guy, this friend of Chris's was Southern. Scared <laughs> to dream. Ah, Next up is friend reunions. And I found this one quite inspiring, Nikki, because a few of these really show a level of dedication that you just don't see anymore, at least partially because technology has spoiled us. Everybody and everything is just so creepily findable. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Look out. Look out. So for the first two reunions... I'd like to focus on the links that people went to track down their friends. Uh, first up is thanks to NPR's StoryCorps, Pac Yan and Joe Chan were two childhood friends in Hong Kong. But Chan moved to the U.S. with his family when they were in the sixth grade. They tried to write letters, but that eventually fell off and they lost touch completely. Many years later, when Yan was about 30, he moved to the States. He wasn't sure how to find Chan, but one day... And I gather some time has passed just based on the, you'll see, in the ages. He decided to plug his name into Yahoo. Okay. Okay. There were 108 Joe Chans. He called all of them. Oh, bless him. And he found them. How many did he have to call to get there? Do you know? I didn't. It it didn't say. I'm like, I didn't ask. He got to number, how do you say, 107? I would have asked. (laughs) But that's the thing with StoryCorps. I think they just call and leave, like, their voice and their voice recording, and so no one gets to ask the question. He left out some important details. I had the same thought. I know. What if he called like one? Yeah, right. Anyway. <laughs> right. I like to think he called like at least. There 20. were 180, and he called two. <laughs> right. It was he a got very, incredibly lucky. It was a very difficult ten minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now they're in their 70s, and oh, at geez. least once a week they go bike riding together. They eat dinner together. They're besties. Oh, jeez, that's sweet. Isn't that nice? That's really sweet. Our next reunion comes to us via a Huff a Huffington Post article, and it highlights Susie and Sarah, who became best friends in their hometown of Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So. In 1943, they were already friends, and Susie's family unexpectedly unexpectedly moved to California and only returned one time in 1952 for Sarah's 16th birthday. It's the last time they saw each other. So 40 years later, Susie began what became a 10-year quest to oh, find gosh. Sarah. gosh. She tried the local high school's alumni directory. She wrote letters, scoured old phone books. She even enlisted the help of two librarians. Eventually, it was two researchers that worked for genealogists who tracked Sarah down. Lots of hard work paid off, and the two were able to reconnect and catch up on all they had missed in each other's lives. Aw, that's nice. Forty years passed. And just think, she could have done all that with a Google search today. So Google searching the right person. That's right. Not just any. Google. I don't know. She could have Yahooed. She found 108 Jennies or whatever. <laughs> Called them all. Ask Jeeves, where's my best friend? Help me. <laughs> That's a really uh, lovely story. Moving from South Carolina to California in the 1940s is the part I got stuck on. Oh, that's a very okay. large move to make and very unusual. I wonder so, what they moved for. Family, I think. Okay. There was a... I, Boiled I mean, it's it fine. Way down. It's, 
Susie, Susie had a lot to say. Oh, okay. So I bet she did. Yeah. That was her journey. Yeah. Finally, thanks to an ABC News story, I'm calling this like a, a deja vu reunion. And deja vu I tried that, but <laughs> I was stumbling work. real hard, <laughs> and I didn't want you to have to hear me apologize for it for a long time <laughs> or edit around it. And by that, I mean apologize for it for a long time. <laughs> And then everyone else here at Deuce. So this is better. Anyways, this has multi-generational besties. So two young women, Nizma and Roya, met their freshman year at Berkeley. And they became fast friends. In fact, they decided to live together their sophomore year. But there's a twist. See, it turns out they'd already met before years ago. In another life. Now that will be a story. In a parallel universe. That's a, hold on to that. On another planet. Hold that, hold okay. all those thoughts, E.T. So they'd met years before when they were just babies Ooh. because their moms were best friends <gasps> and had lost touch 16 years prior. Oh, it makes my chili willies. Their moms had also gone to college together and had even been pregnant with the two at the same time. So there's, in the story, they have pictures there of them with in strollers rolled up next to each other. And then years later is like uh, roommates together. But so their children's friendship brought them back together all those years later. Isn't that nice? I'm not going to (laughs) cry. I'm not even moved by that. Not even a tad. I don't even want to hear about that friend reunion. Well, so I will go ahead and say since I'm talking about it. Now, uh, for those who want to read the longer stories, of course, those will be in the show notes because I am, again, drilling down a little bit. All right. From the sweet to the mushy stuff with two love reunions. First, from Oprah Daily. I had to tell this one because it is right out of a Charlene Fraser Stillfield World War II fever dream, okay? So when K.T. Robbins was stationed in France in 1944 during World War II, he met and fell madly in love with Janine. Of course it did. But their romance was ripped apart when he was transferred to fight on the Eastern Front. The war ended and they both carried on with their lives. KT returned to Memphis and they both eventually married different people. But the 75th anniversary of D-Day in 2019 found KT back in France where reporters helped him track down his long lost love to the nursing home where she now lives. The article quotes him telling her, I always loved you, and you never got out of my heart. They vowed that day to meet again soon. Oh, <laughs> in heaven. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that. Oh. No, like later that day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That's sweet. Thanks for telling that story. For like a movie. They were still alive. <laughs> All right, you're going to have to edit around me laughing like my grandma. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. Okay. I'm going to mute my microphone from here on out. No. I'm enjoying it. I just don't know it'll be the best listening experience. Not in heaven. Goodness gracious. I meant the heaven of her eyes. (laughs) Oh, surely. So our last mushy installment is a bit more pragmatic, and it comes from the New York Times Modern Love column. So I'm calling this one a planned reunion. 
Karen and Howard were together when she was 18 and he was 21. And they'd been dating for a while when she proposed that they meet back up in five years to see if it was really meant to be. Howard agreed. In five years, they would meet at the New York Public Library near the Uptown Lion at 4 p.m. They sealed the deal with a dollar bill they'd torn in half, each inscribed with a plan. Now, look. That's they, illegal. They, well, Charlene. Money defacement. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I went and told the New York Times that. Oh, well, I think it's probably okay. <laughs> so the thing is, is oh, that. That's the U.S. Treasury. <laughs> Karen and Howard, they did stay together for another year and a half, but the relationship came to an end at some point, and Karen wound up in Minneapolis, Howard in California. When the five-year deadline came around, they really hadn't talked in any way in a few years, and this is before, like, you would see each other randomly on social media and kind of know what was going on in the person's life. So despite protests from her mother, Karen went to meet Howard at that five-year mark anyway. And Howard also showed up just as planned. Conversations turned into a cross-country trip, which turned into living together for a few years. Eventually, they returned back east to New York, where the two married. Now, the rest I'm going to read directly from the article because it's better than anything I can recap. Also, I think it gets at the heart of this selection. And the, the background of this part is a lot of people uh, will try and tell her like this is an epic romance and you were always meant to be so this is starting out is her reaction to that uh, telling of their story together <clears throat> she says no that was the whole point of the agreement we didn't always know even after the meeting it took a while for us to move in together when we moved to New York we agreed we would have to see things um, how things worked out with jobs before making any promises. What is true is how the story has helped sustain our relationship through times of trouble. I would have hated to end the story with, unfortunately, it didn't work out. With a story like that, of course, we had to stay together. A romantic past we've discovered can help you keep belted in place until you find equilibrium. Still, I insisted the story was about foresight and prudence, not romance. I only shared the story with people who wouldn't think I was trying to live my life like a movie, who would know the story was about being smart in love, not starry-eyed. For years, I ended the story with, I thought I was just being practical and giving us a second chance. It turned out to be a good plan. Well, the plan may have been practical, a friend said recently, but the fact that you both showed up, there's the romance. And he was right. It was our complete faith in the other person, despite others' cautions that define the romance, we showed up for each other. We now have been married for 35 years. Howard still shows up for me, and I still show up for him. The torn dollar bill is in a frame on his dresser. Anyways, so that's the pragmatic love story. <laughs> How romantic. I love it. I cried earlier when I was reading it again. Uh, so yeah, that going, one gave me a lot. Of, I'm going to have to process that one for a little while. That left me with something. Well, luckily, you can read the full thing in the show notes. So when it comes to family reunions, I read a lot of heartwarming tales. Here's the thing. We're not going to do that because we got to talk about the Jim twins. Do you know about the Jim twins? Okay. 
So according to My Heritage blog, these two identical twins were separated at birth and met when they were 39 in 1979. Different towns, different families, no idea the other existed. They were both named Jim. Now, that's not that big of a deal because that's a pretty common name, especially then. But here's where it gets interesting. Their childhoods were very similar. Both had dogs named Toy, both dealt with migraines, and both bit their nails. Each had married a woman named Linda. Each divorced a woman named Linda. Both remarried someone named Betty. And they both named their sons James Allen. They liked the same things. Vacationing in Florida, drinking Miller Lite, smoking Salem's, and watching stock car racing. I would argue that that just sounds really Southern. (laughs) I was going to say that sounds like me. But both disliked basketball, and they had the same hobbies. And it's a pretty specific hobby, building doll furniture in their basement. That's not specific. We all do that. (laughs) I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Um, They both even had similar backyards with circular white benches around their trees. They died on the same day from the same illness. They never lived together. So we'll link to more information for those who are interested. There's also a book by Nancy Siegel called Entwined Lives, and that includes the twins as a case study. In that did book. they meet at some point? They did. Oh, okay. They met when they were 39. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're like, they're not even related. <laughs> so that would be weird. They were just too. named Jim. <laughs> yeah. And I thought you were saying Jem, G-E-M, and you were like, that's not that unusual. And I was like, that's pretty unusual. Jem. Jem. <laughs> oh, sorry. I should have said Jem. 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 Okay. Jem. Oh, Jem. It was also impossible to read about the Jem <laughs> twins and not think about the 2018 documentary, Three Identical Strangers. Have you seen this? No. Okay. So I haven't seen <laughs> You're like, I don't like pragmatic love. (laughs) I don't know who these twins are. Please stop asking me about docs. (laughs) Okay, well, Three Identical Strangers was really popular, so there was a reason I was asking about that. Uh, Anyways, I haven't seen it either, but I've heard incredible things. I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it and want to, but it is about three identical triplets who were all adopted by different families, and then they all met each other by chance in 1980 at age 19, there's like a bit of a mystery to their adoption, so I'll stop there. Uh, but certainly, I will tell you this: it rivals the jams. The <laughs> So <laughs> I'm about to wrap on this one, but I probably should have asked this at the beginning. Nikki, do you have any reunion stories in your back pocket? No. <laughs> yeah, I got a reunion story for you. <laughs> My love is romantic. <laughs> What if I was like, yeah, I made a promise with a man at 12 years old that when we were 38, if we weren't married or if we were, so we're meeting in New York later this year. (laughs) I had a story like that for you. That would be great. I don't. It would not be good for Kyle. Uh, He'd be fine. (laughs) He'd be fine. He'd be okay. I know I got got no good reunion stories. Uh, I don't either. I was afraid of being. One of one. What was the guy's name? Matt? At the very beginning, Sean? The stoner guy? (laughs) Oh, Chris? I was afraid of being Chris at the like, high school reunion. I don't know. This is so weird. I thought you were going to say I was afraid I was a gym twin. 
So the only other thing I'll say is, as I was digging into this one, I was thinking about like a lot of these happened a long time ago. And so it feels like social media and DNA testing and the internet at large, like they make most of our, most of our footprints that much bigger and easier to find. So I honestly can't decide if we'll get more of these or less of these uh, as time moves forward. But I do know this, I really enjoyed seeking out some and mostly happy stories. They really, actually, some of them warmed the cockles. <laughs> Not of, the cockles. <laughs> of my sometimes jaded heart. And I hope that it warmed yours too. You know the drill. DM us, email us, or contact us from the website. Find us all over the socials. And that's this week's Extra Sugar.